0: May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I, like so many other people, grew up reading the Narnia books by C.S. Lewis. Anyone else read them? So I see some nods, some shakes of the head. The Narnia books having some kind of way of explaining the Christian faith to some extent influential in so many people's journeys towards knowing Jesus. A few years ago, there was an atheist writer who declared that he was going to write some books to undo all the damage done by C.S. Lewis in the Narnia books. That's quite a claim, isn't it? Philip Pullman, and he wrote the books, his Dark Materials, his whole aim was immediately destroyed when Rowan Williams, then Archbishop of Canterbury, declared how much he loved the books. Yeah, that went well, didn't it? Yeah, undo all the stuff done by... The Archbishop of Canterbury declares that he loves the books. But yeah, one of the things in these books, I I was reminded of his dark materials here, in fact, recently. I'd celebrated one of the Wednesday morning Masses. And I was chatting over a cup of tea, as I so often do. And someone, I forget who, asked, has anyone come across his, his Dark Materials TV show? I said, well, I watched the first two series. I said, yeah, the third series is out now. It's excellent, so I watched that. Anyone else see it? No, no. It's, it's an acquired taste. But I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed them. Because one of the questions in The third series was to do with death and what happens. What happens when people die? And that's what I've been leading up to all the way through the three series. And in fact, that question of what happens when we die is a key one for each of us. Either when we're faced with that reality when we lose a loved one or a friend or see a report on a TV channel, or even when we face up to our own mortality. And we see this in the readings today, in Ezekiel. How many people, as soon as that reading started, started singing to the hills, them bones, them bones. A few chuckles, yes, I imagine so. These bones, and then suddenly prophesy that these bones will live, and the bones start developing flesh. A rewind of what normally happens. The graves open. The dead are raised. Used to be the case, maybe still is, that people be worried about being buried alive. I guess nowadays with all the advances in the whole funeral industry and medicine and things, we know whether someone is actually dead or not before we bury them, I hope. So there used to be this tradition, apparently, of a bell being above the grave and then a string going down, tied to the person. So if they woke up, they'd be able to ring the bell, alert people, and so be rescued. Apocryphal story or real, I really don't know. But we have that worry. What happens if we're not actually dead? Are we really dead? What happens? Is death the end? Natural questions for us. Then and now. And we see this in the gospel reading the raising of Lazarus, a friend of Jesus. Lord, if only you'd been here, Lazarus would not have died. He's given the deaf and the blind healing. Why couldn't he have saved his friend, people ask? This is happening. For the glory of God. This is happening for you to understand something more. Says Jesus. Lazarus. Is truly dead. He's been dead we hear. For four days. Open the stone. Remove the stone. Jesus says. We can't they say. He's been dead four days. We can smell him. He's decaying. It's horrible. We can't open that. Open it, says Jesus. What's happened? Has Lazarus gone to the land of the dead? Is that it? Of course. Lazarus! Come out! And Lazarus is raised. Somehow. Miraculously. He's come out of the tomb. Yes, he will die physically again, but here is a precursor to the resurrection of Jesus. Here is a precursor to the resurrection of the dead in general. Going back to Philip Pullman, there was this suggestion in his books that the dead, when they died, were put into, effectively, a prison, a land of the dead, not quite Sheol, as the Old Testament might have referred to it, but a land of the dead, they were all there as prisoners, miserable, fed up, still sort of, I was gonna say sort of alive, that's not a fair way to refer to them, but the, the, when it was chosen, they were sort of, sort of there in misery. And then the hero of these books had got hold of this magic knife and managed to cut, uh, managed to go into the land of the dead. No one had ever come out of the land of the dead. They got in, they got this knife, they cut a hole through the land of the dead. Allowing them to escape. And then there was this quite moving scene that they'd move to this hole and they'd literally evaporate. All of their cells were just sort of going into nature, just sort of they were released to be part of the rest of the world rather than stuck in this cell. Bit of a strange idea in some ways. The other end, what happens to our bodies when we die? this evening i'm here at holy trinity yet again i've been here a lot this weekend having celebrated mass for the annunciation yesterday celebrating evensong he descended into hell on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures we will say in the apostles creed he asc- he descended into hell between good friday and easter day Jesus descended to the dead. The place where people would not come back from. The change being he did. He broke out, if you like. Destroyed the chains of death and hell. This was not a prison forever. It's not someone you went never to return. This was not the end. Rather, through Jesus, there is a potential for something so much more. Not the end, but a new beginning. As I said, Lazarus with his resurrection today is a precursor for this. that death not being final through Jesus, through his passion, through his cross, through his resurrection. The fear of death is destroyed because actually there is hope that there's something so much greater prepared for us. Death is not the end but a beginning. Normally in church we've got so many crosses on display of course as we're now in Passion Tide they are all veiled. There's one here behind me for example. There's one processed in. Many of us wear a cross or a crucifix too. A cross, a crucifix, is a sign of torture. It's a sign of death if you think about it. Our Lord is on the cross. But we wear it as a reminder not of Jesus' death, but as a reminder of what that death leads to. Without the cross, we could not have the resurrection. Without the cross, we could not have the reconciliation with God we are offered through Jesus Christ. And so as we begin this journey through Passion Tide, let us walk with our Lord through the triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Let us walk with our Lord to the Last Supper, to the betrayal. Let us walk with our Lord, the Via Dolorosa, the way of the cross. Let us be there at the cross as God dies. Let us be there with our Lady, as our Lord is removed from the cross. Let us be there as he is laid in the tomb, as we feel bereft, lost, as if everything is defeated. But as we are there, we know that that is not the end. We know that is not a permanent tomb. We wait at the cross, we wait at the tomb, expectant of what comes after, because through the cross, through the tomb, Jesus breaks out, defeats death, defeats hell, enables us, each and every one of us, to be reconciled to God.